Amen. Amen. Hey, welcome to Victory at Home. Victory at Home. Do me a favor. High five somebody. If you're here with us, connect with them. High five. Or you might have to do kind of a social distancing high five. We can always do like the air high five. If you are at home with somebody, uh, do me a favor. Give them a hug. Give them a high five. If you can't hug them, you shouldn't be in the same house with them anyway, right? I'm just saying. So welcome. Victory at Home. Hey, real quick, if you are tuning in with us, and maybe this is your first time tuning in with us. We want to say welcome. If you're a part of the Victory family, we love you so much, and it's so excited to have you, so excited to be with you. I love not only shouting out to our Victory family, so, so we're allowed to have some of our family with us here in the building, and some of us are with us. I try this every week, and sometimes we do good, and sometimes we don't, so let's try. Let me hear it from our family that's here with me this morning. Come on, let me hear you. There we go. All right, so now we know we got a good crew today. We know we got a good crew today, and so we're ready for this. Uh, uh, but for those of you that are watching online, hey, again, we love you. We thank you for being a part of our family. And if you are new to our family, I cannot wait to be able to meet you. I do want to encourage you, if you want to be with us live, every week we put up a live registration to where you can come and experience the worship and the word right here in person. Do, you, do me a favor, click on that, register, and be able to be here with us one Sunday. We can't wait to have you. We are in a series called The Journey. And we've been on the series now for, I think, eight to nine weeks. And the concept of the series is this, is that we're literally opening the book of John and we're taking it verse by verse and we're asking this question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And because we've kind of said throughout this series that we all have developed this idea of who Jesus is based off of what we've been taught, based off of our family, traditions, whatever kind of church we were raised in, if we didn't went to church, if we didn't go to church. And so what we're allowing ourselves to do is just kind of start over with a blank slate and say, hey, who is Jesus? We've talked about Jesus being the Lamb of God. We've talked about him being the resurrection and so many different things. And today, we are going to look at some of the hard things that Jesus says. And so we're going to be in John chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter 6. I have encouraged you to take notes, get a journal. You want to write these kind of things down so that not only will you remember them, but you'll be able to share them with people in the future. And so John chapter 6, we, we were in that chapter for a couple of weeks now. And today, we will end it, which means next week, we will jump in John chapter 7. Before we read, let me just remind you and encourage you that December 6th, December 6th is our church-wide offering for our Purpose Prevails Giving. Again, if you're new to our church, this is something that we do every year um, where we gather and we look back on the year that has happened and we praise God for all that he's done. And one of the ways we do that is that we give a sacrificial gift financially to the kingdom of God and say, hey, God, thank you for helping me and blessing me and giving me favor throughout the year. And, and I trust you with my life, that kind of concept. Here's the way I like to say it. Pray about it. If, if God tells you to give something, give. If God tells you, if he doesn't tell you to give something, don't give. But I just think it's important for you to have that time of reflection. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. All right, John chapter six. Here we go. We're gonna start at verse 25. And so let me give you, as you're getting 625, let me give you a little bit of context of what has happened. Jesus has this crowd that's following him because he's doing all these miracles and it's amazing. And then uh, he decides he's going to feed them with a sack lunch. And so he feeds them. And then after he feeds them, they try to make him king, which is what we talked about last week. They try to make him king. And then so Jesus ends up sending his disciples away across the lake. And then Jesus actually follows them and goes to the other side of the lake. And now the crowd has followed Jesus to the other side of the lake, and that's where we're picking up, all right? So John chapter 6, 25, same crowd following him. And it says, when they found him, when the crowd found him, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, 
when did you get here? When, when did you get to this side of the lake? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, but not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves of bread that I provided and you've had your fill. Here's what I love about Jesus. They asked Jesus a question. He answered them by telling them their why. Isn't that interesting? Like, he, he, like they asked Jesus a question, and Jesus' answer to them was not an answer to the question, but an answer to why they are following him. And then he goes on to say to them, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they ask him, well, what must we do to do the work that God requires? In other words, what do we have to do to get what we want? <laughs> Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to simply believe in the one that he sent, to believe in Jesus Christ. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? If you want us to believe in Jesus, then what sign are you going to do so that we believe in you? And then now you're going to see why they're asking that. Because they say, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're saying, hey, look, when we were following Moses, because if you listened last week, we said that they are assuming Jesus is the new prophet to replace Moses. And they said, hey, when we followed Moses, he gave us bread from heaven. So what, what magic work are you going to do? so that I can follow you. Moses did this, but what are you going to do? I love Jesus. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It wasn't Moses, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Now he's saying he's the son of God. And for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I think this is funny. The, guy, the people following him say, sir, always give us this bread. This bread you're talking about from heaven, always give us this bread. And then Jesus drops a vocabulary bomb on them. And he says, I am that bread. I am. Jesus is the bread of life. He says, I am that bread. Do me a favor. If you're watching online, I want you to type the title of this sermon in the chat. If you're here with us personally, I want you to write it down. I want you to tell it to the person beside you. You ready? All right, this, this is going to be controversial. Uh, this, this should get us some, some, some people watching this sermon simply because of the title. The title of the message is Christian-ish. Christian-ish, right? You know, I don't, I don't know that there is a word in the English vocabulary that carries the kind of baggage that the word Christian carries, right? Like, like it's a loaded label, you know what I mean? Like if we were to take that word and you start trying to define that word, depending on who you're talking to, you can get a whole bunch of different definitions. Well, if you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus. Yeah, but do you believe in everything about Jesus? You just believe in what you want to believe in? Like it's a real loaded label. And what I thought was interesting is Jesus actually never called the people that followed him Christians. There's never, a matter of fact, Jesus never called the people that followed him anything. He just said, come, follow me. Now, the more you study scripture, you will see that there's a point where they are referred to as the way. The people who were following Jesus, that, and that especially around the time where Saul was persecuting him and things like that, that's what they were called, the way. Are you a part of the way? And then there's a part in scripture where, multiple times, where we are referred to as saints. You know, so not so much Christians as we are saints. But it's not till 
Acts chapter 11, verse 26, where we are actually given the label Christian. And it was in a place called Antioch, not the Antioch that's close to here, Smyrna, totally different Antioch, but um, I'm, I'm sure Antioch would call that too, but, but called us Christians. And that word Christian meant this, you ready? It meant that you belonged to the party of Christ. That's what Christian, I-A-N meant, that you belonged to the party of Christ. So when you walked into the room and somebody said, hey, you're a Christian, everybody in the room knew that you belonged to the party of Jesus Christ. Now, in November of 2020, that is a little vague. And we have kind of allowed our culture to skew what it means to belong to the party of Christ. And I think sometimes, if we were honest with ourselves, we're not so much Christian as much as we are Christian-ish, right? You know what I mean? Like, like, are you a Christian? Do you belong to the party of Christ? I am Christian-ish. And the, and the interaction that we're going to see between Jesus and the people that are following him literally point this out, because watch this. Jesus steps up and says, I am the bread of, the, I am the bread of life. I am that bread. And everybody loses their mind. Because listen, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, those words for them were very hard to swallow. When he said, I am the bread, those words were hard to swallow. I am 36 years old. I have been saved for somewhere north of 15 years. I'm maybe 20. I'm not really sure. I'm not even really sure. You know, there were some years there. You know what I mean? I'm not sure. Let's just say Christian for 15, alive for 36. And if there's anything that I've learned, it's this, is that when Jesus says things that are hard to swallow, when Jesus says things that are difficult and uncomfortable, every time good people grumble. Every time that Jesus says something difficult, every time that Jesus utters words that are uncomfortable, good people always grumble. John chapter 6, verse 41, watch this. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And it says, at this, at what? The fact that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. At this, the Jews there begin to what? Grumble. When Jesus said that, the people who were following him began to grumble. Think about this. Jesus hits a nerve, right? These people are following him all over the world, right? Well, not all over the world, but they're following him, and he's doing all these miracles, and, and, and they're all for it. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, more fish, more bread. And then he says something, and all of a sudden, everybody goes into moaning and groaning. Now, I've told y'all before that when I read scripture, I try to put myself there. I always try to insert like Dave or Tom into the scenario. You know what I mean? So, so here's what I'm picturing. Dave is following Jesus, and he's like, yeah, more fish, more bread. And then Jesus steps up and goes, I am that bread. I am the bread of life. And Dave is like, man, I knew it. I, I knew it, Scout. I knew that if we followed this guy long enough, he was going to say something difficult. I told you, didn't 
I told you, if we followed him long enough, he was going to say something that's uncomfortable. Amber, I told you. You were like, I want more fish. I want more bread. And I was like, listen, if we keep following him, he's going to eventually, watch this. Tom, listen, Tom. If we keep following him, I knew it. I knew it. He was eventually going to say something, listen, that I didn't agree with. Right? Isn't this what's happening in today's culture? People are coming to church. Why? Because they are hearing about the real Jesus. And here's the real Jesus. Grace, mercy, anyone who believes can go to heaven, right? The new normal, that is Jesus. And people are hearing about this Jesus. And they are flocking to the church or they're flocking to online ministry or whatever it is because they're hearing about this Jesus. And then eventually... If, if the communicator of the gospel is staying true to the entire gospel, eventually they're saying something from the pulpit that the person who's watching doesn't agree with, and they're going, ah, I knew it. It's not my Bible, in case you're wondering. I, I knew it. I knew that if we followed this church long enough, that wacko dude was going to say something that was uncomfortable. I knew if we did this Christian thing long enough, something was going to happen that I wouldn't agree with. Can I tell you something? If your God agrees with everything you think, you might want to get yourself a different God. Right? So, so, so let me, to, to be able to explain what happened, I, I need to really be able to set it up for what, excuse me, as I go off camera for a moment, I want to be able to set up for you what was actually happening in the scenario, like why these people got so upset, okay? A few, few weeks ago, if you're paying attention, we kind of skimmed over the fact that all of what was happening in John 6 and so on was happening during the Passover season, okay? So it was a season. As much as we have a Christmas season or a Thanksgiving season, there was a Passover season, and the Passover season celebrated and brought remembrance to when Moses delivered the, the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt, okay? So, so not only did he take them out of the hands of Pharaoh, but there was this one time where he told everybody to kill a lamb and to put uh, a little bit of the lamb's blood on the doorway, and then the angel of death would pass by it. And there were these things that he did for them that set them out of slavery and allowed them to live. And so on, on Passover season, they celebrated all that Moses did. And one of the ways they did that was with a meal. And so the meal normally had three consistencies. It normally had bread, wine, and then it had a lamb. Okay? So, so the bread represented God being able to like take care of them during the journey. Right? So as God fed them and helped them during the journey, they would, they would eat the bread and celebrate that. Like, oh man, thank you God for getting us through. Thank you for leading us with Moses. Thank you for providing for us. And then the wine would represent the lamb that was killed, that was put on their doorway. And then they would eat the actual flesh of the lamb. Okay. So this is what they do. Listen, there were kids, or I'm sorry, there, there were adult Jews that had done this since they were kids. This was a tradition for them, Right? This was a big deal for them. They had done this every year of their life. They had sat down and had bread and wine and celebrated the remembrance of what Moses did. So watch this. Jesus comes in and says, hey, I'm the bread, right? When you eat of the bread, think of my flesh. And then he says, when you drink of the wine, think of my blood. 
So it wasn't, listen, people always miscommunicate this that people were angry because it was disgusting. Obviously, it's weird, right? You don't want somebody to be like, hey, this ain't the walking dead. I don't want to eat your flesh, drink of your blood. But that's not what made them grumble. That's not what made them angry. What made them angry is that Jesus was saying this. From now on, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And they said, hold up. I've been doing this my entire life in remembrance of Moses. Who do you think you are? Jesus says, no, every time you partake of the bread, don't think about how God delivered you. Think about me. Every time you partake of the wine, don't think of the lamb that you put on. Do you know, obviously you see the parallel here in this and today's communion. The only reason why we don't have the lamb in our picture of communion is because he is the lamb, right? So we have the bread and we have the wine. And when Jesus said this, he said, do it in remembrance of me. And they said, no. I was trying to think about this because a lot of us, obviously, we weren't there in that culture. We, we can't really relate to the, the impact it would have been to have Jesus say, instead of Moses, do it in remembrance of me, because we don't have an attachment to Moses, right? So I wanted to give you an illustration that would set the kind of um, feeling they would have had at that moment, all right? So here it is. We are just a couple of weeks away from celebrating the Christmas season, Right? And we have all have traditions. Everybody has traditions that you've done for Christmas that you've done since you were a kid. Maybe you get matching PJs and, you know, maybe you put together a gingerbread house or put up the Christmas tree or, you know, whatever it is that you do, open the stocking Christmas Eve night and the presents Christmas day. And then there's church traditions, right? You have church songs and decorations and communion and all these different things that we do. And we do it in remembrance of what? the birth of Jesus Christ, right? We do it to celebrate in remembrance the birth of Jesus Christ. So I want you to imagine how you would feel if the first Sunday in December, I got up on this stage, I got up on this video, and I said, hey guys, listen up. As a church, we are fixing to start celebrating the Christmas season, and we're gonna have decorations, and our worship team's gonna take us through songs, and we're gonna take communion, but this year we're gonna do something a little different. This year, instead of doing it and celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, we're going to do it and celebrate the birth of me. There's a bunch of awkward laughs happening, in case you're wondering. Because part of the people here are going like, huh? You'd be gone, right? Like, I'm pretty sure. Look, Jamal loves me a lot. I'm still pretty sure he's gone. Right? People are just like, we're not, we're not doing that. All right? okay? we, we, we celebrate. That'd just be weird. It, it, it would be totally wrong. Like it would just, we, we can't do that. Right? It's, that's silly, right? This is what it was like for them. When Jesus said, hey, when you do this, from now on, do it in remembrance of me, not Moses. That was something really hard for Jesus to say. And so they begin to grumble. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever desired his wonders but had difficulty with his words? You know what I mean? Like, I want the great things of Jesus. I want his miracles. I, I desire his wonders. But man, I'm having difficulty with his words. Multiple times throughout Scripture, religious leaders picked up stones and plan to stone and kill Jesus. 
multiple times. His own brothers didn't want to follow him in the beginning. One time, the people that he grew up with actually tried to push him off of a cliff. This actually happened in scripture. All because of the difficult things that Jesus said. And it's still happening today. Jesus has said a lot of difficult things, but we don't talk about it as much. So I thought, hey, why not? We don't have many people in the building anyway, so now's a great time to talk about the hard things of Jesus, right? So, so let's just look at some of the difficult things that Jesus said, okay? One of the things Jesus said was, we should bless those who hurt us. So, so think about that. He, he didn't just say that you shouldn't hurt the people who hurt you. He didn't say you should ignore the people that hurt you. He said you should bless those who hurt you. So every person right now who has offended you and hurt you, and whether it's physically hurt you or emotionally hurt you, according to Jesus Christ, you should not only love them and forgive them, you should bless them. Bless them. Then he went on to say, we should pray for our enemies. So not only should you bless those who hurt you, you should pray for those who are trying to kill you. When he said enemies, he's not talking about your next door neighbor who keeps parking in your grass. He's talking about the people in other countries who are trying to kill us. He said you should pray for your enemies. Bless those who hurt you. Pray for those who are trying to kill you. Here, here's something he said that I thought was very interesting that we're really going to focus on in a couple of weeks. People will know that you are my disciple by how you love. He did not say people will know you are my disciple by how many scriptures you can quote. He did not say people will know you are my disciple by how many church hours you've attended. He said people are going to know that you are my disciple by how you love them. Mm. This is something else he said. Uh, it's actually more blessed to give than it is to take. That's hard in our culture. I, I want to take. But Jesus is telling me that I'm more blessed when I give. Here's something else he said that I think is hard. He said you got to love God more than you love money. Right? He also said that God created man and woman to be married and that in that, uh, in that, that, that safety net of marriage is where we should, uh, the best word I could come up with was uh, one flesh. <laughs> Did y'all get that? I'll have to explain it to some of the people here. The only place you should be one flesh in is in marriage. Jesus said it. It's hard, but, but he said it. Here's another thing he said. He said, if you can't forgive others, then he can't forgive us. Nobody wants to talk about that verse, right? It's clear as day. If you can't forgive others, then he can't forgive us. Hey, here's another thing he said, that he is the only way to heaven. The only way. He's not one of the ways. He's not the best way. He is the only way. Here, here's something he said that I feel like our culture needs to learn, that if someone offends you, then your responsibility is to go to them and mend the relationship. Not talk about them on social media. Not distance yourself from them and then go gossip about how bad they are. But if somebody offends you, you, the person who's been offended, is supposed to go to them and mend, mend the relationship. What happened to water walking Jesus? Right? In case you're wondering, the room is very quiet. 
Like, like what, happened to, what, what, what happened to miracle feeding people Jesus? Well, what happened to easy Jesus? What happened to fuzzy Jesus? What happened to love Jesus? I don't want to talk about the hard things. Can we, just talk, can we just talk about walking on water from six different point of views? Do we have to talk about forgiveness? Do we have to talk about finances? Do we have to talk about relationship? Do we have to talk about the things that when Jesus talked about them, he was very specific and very hard? Hear me. What if I told you that the best things of God are found in the hard things of God? Let that, let that process for a second. What if I told you that the best things of God are found in the hard things of God? What if I told you that you do not find fulfillment by following his hand, but you find fulfillment by following his mouth? These people are following his hand. They get offended when they have to follow his mouth. If we just follow his hand and ignore his mouth, we're more Christian-ish. I'll lighten the room for a moment. Um, anybody remember saying something, or, or anybody remember having a saying in your house that was like, it, like, it was almost like drawing a line in your home. Like you could say a lot of things dumb to your parents, but, but, if, but if you said like this, it just blew up the house. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, or, or if you did something, like if you did something, it was just like, it was like somebody lit them up like a firecracker. You know what I mean? Y'all have any of those moments? I'll give you an example of some of mine. See if you can remember some of yours. One of mine in my household was this. I could never say I'm bored. It was like somebody lit my parents on fire. They'd be sitting on the couch watching TV and I'd be like, I'm bored. And they'd go, well, go outside then. Right? It's like, whoa, settle down there, champ. Pull it back. I bought you 50 toys. Go play with one of your toys. I'm like, okay, okay. Right? How about this? You ever just been, that's something you say. You ever just been in the house playing video games and the parents come in and be like, go outside. Right? You need some vitamin D. And then you get up and go outside. And here was the mistake I would make. I'd leave the door open. Y'all remember doing that when you're growing up? What, what, what would they say? Do y'all know what my parents would say? Y'all don't even know my parents. You think you know what they would say? Are you raised in a barn? Every time I'd be like, doesn't that make you something if I am? Like, I'm not, like, that was every time what they would say, were you raised in a barn? And I'd be like, no, I am 36 years old with two kids. And when they leave the house and leave the door open, you would think the world was falling apart. I will come from the kitchen with steam behind me. You better close that door. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Another thing I couldn't say in my house was I'm hungry. Remember that? I'm hungry. Well, you need to eat something. Like, whoa, settle down a little bit. Did y'all have any of those moments, right? I would ask you to give me some, but I don't know if you'll write on your parents. But just, just some things that, you know, they weren't necessarily bad things, but if you said them, it was like somebody drew a line. You know what I mean? It was like, if you, like, we're good, but when you say this, whoo, something just lit. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. It made me, Think about this. Y'all lean in for a second because this is going to be uncomfortable, but I think it's going to be helpful. Do you have a line with Jesus? 
Is there something that if Jesus says it, you blow up? You know, you, you just kind of hang out with Jesus. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, Jesus, we're having a good time. You're my savior, right? Well, if he walked into the room. <laughs> but there's like that one thing that if he said it, woo, kick him out the door. You know what I mean? Like, do you? Do you? Is it, it, when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, and here's what's funny. Some of us, we, we don't even really know it's there. You know, it's, it's kind of subliminal. Like, like, we just know that once somebody reads that particular verse or preaches about that particular topic, something happens in us. Because we've kind of drawn this line with Jesus that says, I'm cool with you being Jesus up until you get to this point. And I'm just wondering if, if we, if you, if I have something that when Jesus crosses that line, we get offended and we threaten to leave. What if I told you that's what happened with the disciples? I'll show you. John chapter six, where we're at. Jesus says, I am the bread of the life. I'm the bread of life. And they begin to grumble. And then watch this. On hearing it, Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Ooh. Can we just change the channel real quick? Isn't there like something funny we can watch for a moment? This is, this is a hard teaching. And then here was the next follow-up. Who can accept it? Who? This? What is your this? This is a hard, who can accept it? And I love this. Jesus, Jesus is a G. I've always told y'all that. Capital G. Watch this. Aware that his disciples were grumbling... Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Now, let me help you with context and clarity. This is not Jesus going, hey, does this offend you? I'm sorry. If it offends you, I won't say it again. Does it, does this, I'm sorry. Does this offend you? Ah, sorry. That's not what Jesus was doing. This is what Jesus was doing. Does this offend you? That's my, did this, what face? Because if this offends you, it's going to be a long ride, right? Jesus is saying, I didn't ask for your approval to be God. Like, does this, does this, does this offend you? Listen to me. The church has always been good at challenging the values of the world. But Jesus came to, va- to challenge the values of the church. Ouch. From the, from the day I got saved, from the day I first entered into a church, I, I, I have known that the church is great at challenging worldly values. But that's not why they grumbled. They grumbled because Jesus was challenging their values. They grumbled because Jesus had come to say this old normal that you're doing is gone and there's a new normal. Jesus came to say, no longer are you celebrating Moses. You're now celebrating the son of God. And people couldn't quite deal with that because it was uncomfortable. When we remove the uncomfortable things that Jesus says, we can have charity 
We can. We, we, we can still have charity when you remove the, the uncomfortable things that Jesus says. We can have morality. We can have spirituality. We cannot have Christianity. You, you can have spiritual things without the hard things of Jesus. You can do great deeds without the hard things of Jesus. But you can't be a Christian without the hard things of Jesus. Right? Here's what I'm learning. And you're probably right now trying to decide between the two. Just watch. Is that when you force somebody to sit down and receive all of Jesus, not parts of him, not the comfortable parts of him, not the loving parts of him, not the whatever, whatever you want to label it. When, when you force somebody to sit down and receive all of Jesus, they do one of two things. They either grow or they go. Right? I could testify to it. When you set somebody down and say, hey, here's all of Jesus, their response will be that they will either grow from it and become an, a, a better man or a better woman, or they will say deuces. Again, I'll show you. Awkwardly enough, John chapter 6, verse 66. So 666. Six, six. I'm not saying there's a connection, but I thought that was interesting. Watch this. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now understand something. This is not, this is not the 12 disciples, okay? The 12 disciples, uh, the, the, they, theologians said that at this point there was probably 70, maybe 80 people following Jesus under the title disciple, okay? So, so when Jesus says this, when this interaction happens, you had the religious leaders and different people responding, but now this large group of disciples, according to scripture, watch this, they turn back and they never follow him again. Isn't that wild? They've experienced the best of Jesus. They've experienced his love and his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. They've experienced all of that. Pay attention. Listen. They've experienced all of that. And all because Jesus said something that they didn't agree with. They never followed him again. They missed out on everything because he didn't say it the way they wanted him to say it. They walked away, turned their back on Jesus because for a moment he was uncomfortable. <laughs> because he didn't say what they agreed with, because he didn't do it their way. This, this Savior, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, they said, You know what? We'll go follow somebody else. Hear my heart and what I'm about to say. And if anything ever goes viral from our church, I hope it's this. The gospel of Jesus Christ should lead us to feed those that are in need. It should. The gospel of Jesus Christ should lead us to feed those who are in need. It should lead us to, to give to the poor. It should lead us to care for widows, widows, 
and for orphans. It, it should lead us to give grace to the sinner and it should lead us to disciple the new convert. But if it isn't compelling us to search our heart, repent of our sins, and turn from our wicked ways, it is not the entire gospel. Did you hear what I said? The gospel of Jesus Christ should make you tell people about Jesus. It really should. It should make you not yell at people when they cut you off on the road. It should. It should cause you to give to the poor. It should. It should make you want to be discipled and be someone who disciples. It should. But somehow we've gotten to a place where the one thing that we don't want the gospel of Christ to do is change us. What has happened? If the gospel is not surgically operating on my heart, it is a two-edged sword. If it's not causing me to hit my knees and search my heart and then repent of my sins, I'm a sinner, this is wrong, God help me, and then get back up and choose to go a different way then at some point, it's not the entire gospel. It's Christian-ish. It's gospel-ish. Darla had me try vegan meat once. I said, it's good for what it was. But I remember telling her, or actually she told me this. She said, when you take a bite in it, don't expect it to taste like meat. And it was great. It was delicious. Matter of fact, free promo. Go get Impossible Burgers from Kroger right now. They're incredible. Right? They're, they're, they're incredible. But they're not meat. They're meat-ish. Right? A gospel that makes me never change my ways. It's not Jesus. It's Jesus-ish. Right? All right. Let me tell you this. There was this business. They were known for their spicy sauce. It was super spicy. Anybody like, you like spicy sauce? You're real big on spicy sauce? Their sauce was super spicy, and people would come from all over the world. Locals loved to come to, to, to eat the spicy sauce. Um, and eventually, one of the owners went to the other owner and said this. said, if we'd watered down our sauce just a little bit, we could appeal to more people, and then we could sell more food, make more money, be a better business. And the guy said, all right, let's do it. So they watered down the sauce a little bit, and sure enough, the business started to climb because people were coming to taste this new sauce. And people who weren't coming because they had heard how spicy it was show up, and so the business began to climb. But then after just a short while, it started to level off, and then it started to decline to eventually they had to close the business down. And when somebody was asking one of the owners about it, here's what the owner said, you ready? So if we found out anything from this experience, we found out this, that some people love spicy sauce. 
Some people hate spicy sauce, but nobody likes weak sauce. I gotta, I gotta be careful. I gotta be careful. It's okay to say, these people are Christians because they like all of Jesus. And it's okay to say these people aren't Christians because they don't want anything to do with Jesus. What we can't do is create this middle place. You know what I mean? Where you can be Christian-ish. God said, be cold, be hot, don't be lukewarm because I'll spit you out of my mouth. What he meant by that is you either take all of Jesus or none. You don't get to be Christian-ish. You get them all. Because listen to me. If we start watering down Jesus, then you lose his transformational ability. And the people who didn't want to follow him have no reason to start following him. And the people who are dying to experience him start to go, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Because the best things about God are found in the hard things about God. Not in the easy. And if we ignore the tough things that Jesus says, watch this, we'll talk more about good works than good news. We'll talk more about relationships than repentance, more about institutional sin than personal sin, and more about current suffering than eternal suffering. Share your story. About three months ago, our church put out a response to racism. There were a lot of conversations happening on social media, different point of views, different perspectives, and from a bunch of people that went to our church. Obviously, a bunch of people who don't, but from a bunch of people who do. And as I watched, I knew that our church had to make a statement. Because if we don't make a statement, people will assume that because that person goes to our church or that person goes to our church, that must be where the church stands. And so we put together a response and we put it out. And listen to me, I never once pretended like it was a perfect response. I am a man, I can't put out perfection. So I did my best to look to scripture and to call us to check our own hearts. I think that is what we should always do before we ever try to dictate if something's there. I think we should go look in the mirror first. And that's what we did. We put out a response. A few days after that response went out, it was a Monday. Um, I normally try to use Monday as a Sabbath. So, so Monday is normally my, I try to take that day off. It doesn't always work, but I try. And because it's my Sabbath, I try not to do anything about church. I try not to think about it, try not to talk about it, try not to plan for it, try to just, again, it doesn't always work. But it was a Monday, and I was attempting to do that. On top of that, me and my family were out of town. So it's my Sabbath, and we're out of town. 
I still decided to get up early that morning and go jogging and praying. And while I am jogging and praying, my phone rings and I see that it's an individual that goes to our church. And so I took the phone call, my pastor. And as we begin to talk, this individual began to share with me that they did not agree with the church's stance on racism and that they were leaving the church. And that's, that's fine. So we ended the conversation and I went back to running. <laughs> and I found myself getting angry. And I started like, I call it lamenting, <laughs> but I started yelling at God. You know, things like, I, I never wanted to plant this church anyway. <laughs> this was all, you're the reason I'm here to begin with, God. You know, those, I mean, we've all been there. Don't look at me, judgmental eyes. <sighs> Y'all listen, I, I had been pastoring our church through two pandemics. I had been doing my best to make sure that people who had lost jobs, had, had money, and had food, and had to make sure there was a racial injustice going on, still going on, and there was this, this health pandemic, and it's still going on. And I'll just be honest with you, I was tired. I was just tired. We, we couldn't meet personally. We still can't. I was just tired, and I was angry, and I just was vulnerable before God. And I was yelling and I was crying. I was on this little dirt road. Nobody even knew what I was doing or where I was. And I was just going, God, what, why? And I was, I was screaming at God and I was yelling at God. And, like, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. And da -da 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 -da. God has always been so good to me. So he, he let me finish. He's my Kanye West. <laughs> so I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> Took you a minute to catch that. That's okay. Watch more secular television. I'm kidding. Don't. And uh, when he let me finish, he spoke something to me. He didn't speak it audibly. I've never heard the voice of God audibly. But when he speaks, I know it's him. It's, it's, it's clear as day in my mind. It's heavy on my chest. I, I know it's him. And after I got done yelling, I was, I was breathing hard from running. I was yelling at him. It was just in my whole world. and Everything just kind of got silent for a minute. And here's what I heard him say. And you got to let me say it, then I got to explain it. He says, well, are you going to leave me too? Now, God was not asking me if I was fixing to leave Victory Church. That's not even, doesn't even make sense. God knows how to speak to me. And God knows how to speak to you. He knew that I would know exactly what he was talking about. Because when he said, are you going to leave me too? My mind went straight to John chapter 6 because I've read it before. And because when the 70 or so disciples said to Jesus, this is a hard teaching, and they quit following him, he turned to the 12 and he said, are you gonna leave too? 
but it was Simon Peter's response that got me. I uttered the very words Simon said in the TPV, the Troy Powell version. Simon Peter said, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Son of God. Where am I going to go? It's hard. Okay. I don't really understand it all. Okay. I honestly can't explain it when I'm sitting at the table with a friend, but okay. At the end of the day, it's hard, it's tough, it's uncomfortable, it's difficult. But where am I going to go? Back to me leading it? You have the words of eternal life. Our ability to accept the hard things that Jesus says will always be dictated by who we believe him to be. When you believe that he is the resurrected king, when you believe that he is the son of God, when you believe that he has the eternal words of life, when you believe that he climbed up on that cross, blameless, and died for us, and then like he said he would, he raised from the dead and now sits on the right hand of the Father. When you believe that that's who he is, I think there's a moment where we can better accept the hard things that he says. That's what I'm trying to say. And I, I do want to give you this thought. The more that you know the heart of God, the easier it is to obey his words. And so from my heart to our church and to everybody that's watching or listening, we cannot be Christian-ish. We have to receive the entire word and all that Jesus is because if we don't, we are going to miss out on all that he is. And if you're watching or you're listening or you're sitting here with me and you'd say, man, Troy, I, I hear you, but it's just, it's hard. I know, I know. I'm not pretending like it's easy. It's hard. It's tough. It was really tough for me that day to go back into the house and continue hanging out with my kids that day on my off day. And, you know, it was hard. 
but I could have never done it without the words that Christ said or that God said because it brought me back into the perspective of where am I going to go? You're everything to me. You're everything. Could you, the closest physical being to my relationship with Jesus will be my wife. She's everything to me on this physical planet and he's everything to me forever, ever, and ever. Could you imagine if I brought, and many of you know Darla, could you imagine if I brought her up and I said, hey babe, I wanna work on our marriage and moving forward, I'm only going to pick the things that you say that I want to obey. <laughs> Have you seen her bicep muscles? <laughs> After she picked me up off the floor, she would say, that's not how relationship works. Right? At what point did being a Christian mean that we could follow the things that Jesus says that we like? I believe him to be the son of God. I believe him to be my savior, the resurrection, the lamb of God, the new normal. My life prayer is what does Jesus have in mind? I believe he will reign forever and ever and ever. I believe he is the king of my life. Therefore, he can say whatever he wants to say. And I obey not because it's easy, not because it's comfortable, but because he loves me. Father, we pray. I know it's a tough word. Oh, but it's the word we need. I'm convinced, Father, that the problem with our culture today is not who's in leadership. It's not what's happening on TV. It's, it's, it's the fact that, Lord, your children, we, we are lovers of darkness and not of light. Father, bring us back to your word. Bring us back to following you. Belonging to your party. Father, help us to live up to what it means to be a Christian. And I'm not talking about works, God. I'm talking about obedience. Your word is life-changing and your Holy Spirit can transform who we are, but not if we pick and choose what parts of it that we want.
Father, as we're defining who is Jesus, I pray that as we move forward, we would not skip over the hard things. But we would let it minister to our hearts. From forgiveness to love to how to act when we're offended. Father, we would take your entire word and allow all that you are to change who we are. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.